millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Rotary Report podcast in association with Sunny Groups of Kitchen. It's Gal back between two games here. Preston, the game we lost on the weekend. And of course, coming up, we've got a lovely, lovely game against Rotherham. So... You know, doesn't get any better than that, does it? This is the championship after all. Join us uh, is Chris. How you, mate? Hello, Gavin. Yes, really easy start to the season, isn't it? <laughs> Piece of piss. You know, it's going to walk the league, I think. Uh, also with us is Craig. How you, mate? Evening, lads. Is your last stop jabbing you about the the defeat? No. As we talked about this on the preview, didn't we, that you wanted to bring home the bragging rights from, from Deepdale and you didn't, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't think anybody left that away and probably more disappointed than me. Um, tail between <laughs> my legs. Certainly a far cry from obviously our 3-0 win down there a couple of months ago. So, yeah, real disappointing one. Well, if it's any consolation, um, my missus is from Rotherham and guess who we play next? So I'm probably <laughs> going to get tortured when we get beat. We've got two games to talk about here. We'll start off with Preston because... We, uh, we're a little bit late this week with the podcast. Please forgive us, listeners. But yeah, we played Preston at the weekend. Don't want to sit here and um, dement you too much by talking about another defeat for Sunderland. Uh, but we've got to talk about it, unfortunately, don't we, Craig? Uh, yeah, like you said, you came away from the ground disappointed. I think me sitting at home, I was, I was just as disappointed watching it because we played pretty well. We were dominant for most of the game. You know, you, you look at the statistics... Sunderland had 65% of the ball. Preston, the home team, had 35%. They had two shots on target and one two one. And it's like you come away and you think, well, did the performance merit more than what we got? I would say so. You know, even in hindsight, immediately after the game, I felt exactly the same. I know there was a there was there was a bit of um reaction afterwards on social media and stuff, and people weren't happy. But like even in hindsight, all these days later after the game. I'm looking at looking back at the performance and thinking we deserved something out of that. We didn't deserve to lose it. We, we, you could argue we didn't deserve to win it too, and that would be fair enough, you know. Maybe we didn't because for all of our dominance on the ball and um, creating the chances that we did, we didn't make the keeper work enough, and that's ultimately why we came away without anything from the game. And I think I think even the most um, negative Sunderland fan would look at this and think. We at least deserved a point, and 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 that's probably what hurts more. It actually hurts me a lot more than the Ipswich game, because I felt I felt like we out of the two games, this is the one we probably deserved something out of more. Yeah, I uh, fully agree with that. I thought we 
reacted fairly well to the disappointment of the uh, the crew game. First half, I thought, was, was pretty evenly matched. And then, lo and behold, as luck would have it, when, you know, feels like the world's against you, Preston score from pretty much an almost identical situation to the week before. Heads did not go down, continued well, got ourselves back into the game, really capitalised on some of the inexperience they had at their left fullback. Um, and then when we get the equaliser, you think, look, we've got to kick on here. We've really got to try and strive. But I felt like when we come back out after half time, we were a little devoid of ideas. We weren't prepared to take any risks around their box. Perhaps complacency set in a little bit. And once again, I suppose we were caught out in possession, pressed in counter-attack, and then lo and behold, touch of fortune, they go 2-1 up. And once again, we're chasing a game. And I think the disappointing thing really is, is like you said, it's a game where we're Ross Stewart or an Amad Diallo away from winning that game fairly comfortably. And I know perhaps we've looked a little bit shaky at the back, but we had them on the ropes, but we just really do lack a bit of a cutting edge at the moment. We can get into team selection a little bit later on. I think Tony Mowbray got it definitely wrong. But yeah, by Christ, it's it's a game that we certainly should have come away with something. When I left the ground, you know, in conversation with a lot of their fans, just about every single one who I spoke with all said the same. They feel that they got away with one. But look, at the end of the day, we've we've played okay. We haven't come away with anything. I would certainly prefer roles reversed, that we played terrible and we'll come away with three points. But it's just as luck would have it at the moment. Yeah, does that concern you at all, Chris? Because, you know, you look at the two games we've played, Ipswich, we scored four minutes from the end of normal time and had really struggled to create anything and carve them open. And and then you come come along to the crew game who are a League Two side and it's a cup game and I know it's a you know it's a it's a weird one because there's only like one and a half stands open for the for the game and it's a changed team and but we did we didn't really look like cutting them open and then the next game after that, Preston, we actually looked really, really good around the box, created lots of chances, had clear chances. You know, there's the there's the 0-9 header towards the end, which I think he should have buried, if I'm honest. It's it's you know, it's an absolute sitter. You've got the chance which uh, Roberts missed, you've got the the chance which Barr missed, you've got the chance which Barr had on a plate to pass to somebody and, and balls it up. Like we had chances, but does it worry you that we don't have a cutting edge at the minute? Because it, it does feed into this whole discussion around forwards, doesn't it? Everybody can see it's as clear as day we need a centre-forward. Not just us as fans. The, the club clearly know this because Tony Mowbray, he never stops talking about it. So they're very much aware of what we need. And then in the performances, you're seeing the result of that where we we just don't have a person capable of finishing off chances. Does that worry you at all? Um, well, there's a clear repeating pattern, isn't there? I mean, basically, the, yeah. you know, it's obvious. In the two games, because look... I, I'm not going to bring crew into the equation. That's a glorified friendly, as far as I'm concerned. I'm, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. I've thrown that out of the equation. Let's, you know, we're looking at the Ipswich game. We're looking at the Preston game, and the, yeah, there's a repeating pattern. I mean, there's, you know, if teams this season look at us and say, well, you know, on paper they haven't changed much because I mean, you look at the the starting eleven from from that game, and what you're only looking at basically Bellingham and Dak from the starting lineup that started at Preston, who weren't around last season, so. You've got to, you know, clubs are looking at us going, oh, right, well, where did we get it wrong last season? They could look at tapes of us against them last season and go, well, how did they line up? Because they're going to do the same again. And I thought Clark and Roberts were much better than they were against Ipswich. But having said that, it, Preston clearly had a game plan, as did Ipswich. It's the second time around now 
but it doesn't seem like we've got new ideas and it seems like we've lost a few ideas that we had last season. So there's a lot of one-dimensional play about us where, don't get me wrong, Clark and Roberts are possibly good enough to pull it off, but at the same time, you need you need a bit more. And if you're only knocking it out wide to Clark and Roberts to do everything for you and put something on a plate to someone, it's not happening. Like you said, we, we need options. And look, they the know they need a striker. That's no secret. Mowbray wants one. The club want one. We're trying to get one. But on the other hand, you know, in these two games, we could have had a top-class striker up front and he might not have had a chance. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's that thing we've got. Yes, we need a striker. We need someone in place. But also we need to we need to mix it up a bit. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at that first game against Ipswich, I felt sorry for Amir because nobody slung the ball in the box for him. Nobody put it anywhere near him. The ball, uh, you know, I can't remember the ball bouncing 10 yards away from him. And, you know, we need to we need to mix it up a bit. You know, Clark and Roberts need to lay it off rather than trying to, do everything themselves and, and produce a kind of worldie at the end of it. it. I'm not saying Clark and Roberts, there's anything wrong with the way they're playing because they are just fantastic players and they're getting on with it. We need to put things around them to help them. We need to give them something to supply for them to be able to, to actually have an end product. So, yeah. yes, there's concerns. But on the other hand, I think in those two games, look, and I think this should just be a given. I think we all probably realise this, but... Like we've played well enough in those two games. Like we'll be okay. Everything will be fine. <laughs> like we'll start. Like we play like that. If you have that much possession, and and I think we created more chances at Preston. The, the chances we created at Preston were slightly better than what we created against Ipswich. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, that I, yes, I'm concerned. But the way we're playing, we, if we get that front man up front, or even I'd I'd like to see us persevere with Hamia, but you know, learn to play with a striker. Uh, we'll we'll be fine. Yeah, and what you just said there about learning to play with a striker is what strikes with me because um, more so in the Ipswich game than the Preston game, it definitely felt as though Craig that in that game we we kind of forgot how to play up to a striker, which seems weird to say because all the way through preseason we were fine playing up to a striker. It just seemed as soon as we got back to the stadium of light in a proper game that the wingers kind of forgot that they had somebody in the box and. Maybe it's a trust thing, you know, Hemia's only young and, you know, the likes of Clark and Roberts, they're pretty experienced and bullish players and they have a lot of belief in their own ability and maybe it's a case of when Ross Stewart's in the box, they understand them and they know where to put it and they know that, you know, we're not going into this area, Ross is going to do this, that and the other and we can trust him. Where with Hemia, maybe the trust isn't there. There's definitely, I think on Mowbray's part, there is a lack of trust for Hemia. But I felt sorry for him because I felt like, and, and Chris touched on it there, in the Ipswich game, nothing came near him. He got a lot of people were slaughtering him after it, and I, I couldn't understand it. I spoke to a lad yesterday who was like, "Oh, he's terrible, him. He's terrible." And I was like, "How can you get that impression off half half a game of football? Where if you actually watch it back and analyze the performance, it, the, the basically ignored he was even in the box most of the time. Then then he doesn't play any part in the crew game, which is fair enough. And then he's put on the bench at Preston." I mean, you've talked about this already away from, from the pods, Craig. You know, to bring in a, a half-fit Bradley Dak who's not a centre-forward. And like, and I can remember me and, me and you, Chris, talked about this before the uh, the season started, about how confident Hamia must be from what, he's, what he achieved in pre-season. He got four goals in pre-season. And to me, all of these actions from Mowbray, Craig, must have knocked this lad's confidence. He's been playing for the under-21s this week. 
And I know people are going to say, well, we should sign players who are ready. We should do this. We should do that. He's the only centre forward we've got. He's had a good pre-season. And after a half of football, people are, are going to write him off already. I, I, I don't think he's been managed well, actually, in the last couple of weeks, if I'm going to be brutally honest. I know I know we're pretty, you know, we're pretty supportive of everything Tony Mowbray does, but I've got to call that out as I say it. You know, I think we all understand the striker situation, but when you've only got one of them, why not try and make it work? And and it feels as though everything that's happened in the last week and week and a half or so tells me that he hasn't been managed very well. Uh, well, I would say first and foremost, you know, kind of assessing somebody after, like you said, what fifty, sixty minutes against Ipswich, and just saying that he's naff. It's look, he's going to take a while to settle. In respect of obviously how he's got on in preseason, he's done really well. You would ideally like to think that they have a bit of a familiarity with playing with him now. They've whipped crosses in for him and he scored. So he's he's demonstrated that he has, you know, the right attributes for us. I think in terms of, like I say, the selection, I mean, I when I got in the ground, I didn't have any signal on my phone and there was a few people who'd, who'd mentioned the lineup. And I'll be honest, I found it a little bit insulting, truth be told, when he came out with his, his reasoning to say that, you know, he basically wanted to play Dak as this false nine against Preston's three centre-backs. And if you think about it, Bradley Dak's not very tall. So ultimately, straight away, we can't aim any crosses at him. Like you said, he's half fit. He didn't feature, you know, at all really towards the end of pre-season. He didn't come on against Mallorca. He didn't play at Hartlepool. And you think those were the games to, to maybe embed him in, get him a couple of minutes. Like I say, he came on a crew. He looked okay, but that's against League Two opposition. But to expect him to lead the line away from home in a place where, you know, traditionally Preston are a very dogged and determined size... If they want, they can, you know, really make it uncomfortable for you. They're all big physical players. So I just thought straight away that was kind of setting us up on the back foot. And like you say, for Hamia, confidence-wise, it's not going to do him any good just to take him out the firing line straight away. And you think for all the chances we did create, you want a striker in there. And yes, okay, he's young, he's inexperienced. But at the end of the day, he still knows you know, what his job is to do. His job is to put the ball in the back of the net. Perhaps positional awareness, things like that may not be there as of yet because it's going to be a huge learning curve, but give him a chance because when we don't mm. have any other strikers fit at the moment, this is where he can really shine for us. And especially if we're creating the number of chances that we are. I mean, that that for me is, that's why I'm not panicking at the moment. Like I say, it's kind of gone full crazy meltdown in terms of the past two games. So, like I say, if if we're still creating all of these opportunities, surely having a striker on the pitch is the right solution to try and actually win us a game. I'm I'm actually a little bit concerned now that the fact that he played in the 21s game, and I'm wondering whether that's going to have any impact on whether he's involved against Rotherham. I mean, well, sorry to put in mate, but I'm wondering whether he's played that 21s game, and and Mowbray's actually mentioned this quite a bit. I don't think he thinks he's fit. I don't think I think he thinks he needs more because he's talked a lot about. How him every time he talks about him, yeah, he talks about how he's struggled with the pace of everything. And if does he think he's not fit? Maybe, maybe Chris. I, I'm just trying to work out how he. I know I said like I feel like he's been managed poorly him yeah in the last couple of weeks. And Mowbray might argue that by taking him out, he's actually doing him a favour. But I, I'm just trying to work. What do you think about what he's done? Because I, I can't work it out. If I'm honest. Well, following on from what Craig says, he's absolutely right. The decision to start with Bradley Dack up front, who hasn't had a preseason, who's half fit who's struggling for fitness, to start him up front against Preston, who've got big bruises at the back, who are proper championship defenders, 
just made no sense at all. And he's he, he, the way he tried to explain it after was that, oh, he didn't think, and I think it was touching on what you said about his fitness. I think he said something about he's a bit concerned that Hamia can't press from the front like he wants him to. Well, I mean, that's not exactly Bradley Dak's game, is it? I mean, he's not... <laughs> He's not kind of going to no. chase the ball down up front. I mean, that's that's not his game at all. And the other, the other aspect to it as well is that, that if he's going to play a false nine, like if you're Alex Pritchard, I know, and you've been play, you've been you've been playing that position, and you've actually had a half decent preseason, and a half like a half fit new signing who Tony Mowbray is known from his past gets straight in the team, and you're sitting on the bench. I mean, he must have been watching that first hour thinking. What have I done wrong? And basically, mm-hmm. is it worth giving me agent a ring and saying, "Well, actually, can you ring around? Because what's the point? Because what I mean, you've got you've got a seventeen year old who started ahead of him, which he's probably looking, thinking, "Am I going to get <laughs> how many games am I going to get alongside him?" And it sounds like Mowbray might have had a word because he was talking about rotating them out and all that sort of stuff in preseason. But then now he's brought Dak in. And Dak seems to be ahead of him for the false nine, and Bellingham's ahead of him for just behind. The other, th- and obviously the, the the impact on Hamia's confidence that he's being dragged straight out for a half fit new signing who that's not his natural position. So mm. there wasn't one thing <laughs> that went in the favour of putting Bradley Dak up front. There wasn't any kind no. of thing that I could think of, and it was all negatives as far as I could see. I mean, it might have come off, and Bradley Dak might have smashed two in. Fair enough, but. You know, as it turned out, you know, it, it just didn't seem to make sense and it wasn't right the, the right decision. I, I didn't really get it. Still don't. No, well, we were talking on the preview, me and Craig, about how we might bring him in because Mowbray had said, you know, in the in the aftermath of that crew game, he'd been really impressed. I had actually thought he looked pretty good. He only played a half, though. And um, I was I was thinking, and, and I think Craig was too, when we were doing the preview, thinking more along the lines of he might play in that 10 position behind him here. You know, I wasn't what I was not expecting what happened to happen with regards to the team shape, and and Mowbray explained it away after the game by saying that he felt like playing Hamia up against three centre halves was would have been the wrong thing to do, and that we went more with the system that served us well last season where we played with the false nine, and it, yeah, I I can I can get that if it's Pritchard playing because Pritchard's fit, or, or God forbid it was you know even Chris Rigg who's you know, had a good preseason and played well against Crew in the in, in in that cup game, and maybe looking at him and thinking, well, he could probably do that. He could probably do that role, dropping in deep, and you know, if you want someone to arrive late and score goals, but he's fit. The the, more, the most important thing to me was that whoever plays, you know, two three games into the season, has to be fit, and that was what was concerning to me was that the, he went with the false nine system. Haven't really got a problem with that. I would have preferred him yet to start, but you know, it is what it is. But then he went with somebody who wasn't fit. And I, like you say, Pritchard must be looking at that and thinking, what the hell's going on? And I know you obviously you were at the game, Craig, and you mentioned that a bit of a strange atmosphere at full time, wasn't there? And Pritchard was involved in that. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I say, it's worth noting that it doesn't look like there's any disconnect, certainly between the fans and the players. I know obviously there's been a bit of an uproar on social media, but that's just not indicative of what's actually happening in the grounds. They've been applauded off every game they've played so far, and it was the same at Preston. Um, But the concern for me was the body language from the players. They just looked a bit flat and defeated. And of course, look, the professionals, and, you know, they're used to 
used to performing very well, especially towards the back end of last season, but something looked a little bit off. Pritchard in particular as well, you know, he, he just looked devastated. And the annoyance is he's come on in two games so far, and in my opinion at least, he's changed them straight away. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. He's got us further up the field, and and I look at somebody like Alex. I would say three games, by the way, because when he came on against Crewe, yeah, improved us. As yeah, well. that's fair. I mean, if you look at Pritchard, I, what I, well, I just can't get my head round at all why it looks like him, uh, Lyndon Gooch, and, and and Danny Bart. It looks like they're all perhaps getting forced out the door, and I, if if rumours are to be believed, and I, I look at I look at Pritchard, I, I look at all three of them, and you've got three lads there who are accustomed to carrying the weight and the expectations basically of our fan base you know they're, they're all good characters they're good in the dressing room and you look at that the other day where it's getting a little bit tough what brought him on and all of a sudden we had a bit of an inventiveness again you know he was he was spraying the ball out wide and we were getting further forward and again what let us down was was having no striker so basically, yeah, I, I can totally understand it, you know, for, for players to, to maybe be a bit disheartened. And I think Pritchard in particular is probably going to be the one who's feeling it the most because ultimately it looks like we've signed Bradley Dack to take his position. And for me, it's just not a good idea. If, mm. So looking towards the end of the, the, the week, obviously we'll get towards the Rotherham game, but Alex Pritchard has to start that game for me. He is he's a very, very influential player. He's demonstrated throughout the course of his time here how important he is to us. And the idea of just kicking him out of the club, or at least, you know, forcing his hand maybe to look elsewhere, it's just not the right thing to do. I think we've got a, a responsibility to at least, you know, treat him better than that because over the course of the past couple of weeks, something really strange is going on. Yeah, and like I say, we don't we we're not obviously privy to what conversations are being had and you can sort of read between the lines. It does feel as though I can't really speak on on Gucci's case because I don't think he would have been starting games anyways, and I know he's injured, so you know maybe it's a little bit different with him. But certainly in the case of Danny Bart and, and Alex Pritchard, the fact that they're not starting games tells you we're we're going a different direction. It probably tells you that those players and the rumor was that they've been told that they're not going to have their deals renewed and. And you know the the free to leave if a good offer comes in and all the rest of it. And Morbury's been asked about it, and he it was specifically about Bart, which I remember. And he said something along the lines of, you know, we we haven't our phone's not been ringing. You know, he's still our player. He's still part of the squad. Blah blah blah. But you you can kind of see where this is going, Chris, can't you? And I'm sort of wondering with those being experienced players who are probably looking at the last next couple of weeks, thinking I'm probably only going to be here a few more weeks. You know, pros though. You know, they're coming every day, work hard. When they do come on the pitch, they do their best. You would never level at them that they, you know, they would phone it in or anything. But it's gonna change the mood and the atmosphere around the place when you've got big, experienced voices in the dressing room, who probably know they're not gonna be here very long. They've got mates in the dressing room who, who you know, enjoy their company. You know, they're probably leaving. It, 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 it sort of takes the focus away what happen, from what happens on the pitch a little bit, doesn't it? You want everybody get like. At times towards the end of last season when we had injuries and there were there was problems and you you basically you could you could pick the team very easily you knew what the eleven was going to be but that gave us a bit of of a focus because the players knew they were starting they knew they knew each other's game they were very much focused on the task at hand and it worked whereas for that like now like I say those players might not leave but it certainly feels like while the transfer window is still open and while that's hanging over us that there's just something not quite 
right, and I'm not sure what I can't really put my finger on it, but I think I think Craig's right there. You know, Pritchard maybe having a decent preseason and not looking like he's fancied. It seems odd, and obviously Mowbray mentioned it, didn't he? Talk when he was talking about the ten position, he said he was going to rotate Dak, Bellingham, and Rig this season. He never even mentioned Pritchard, and that stood out to me. So there's there's obviously just there's something not right, isn't there, at the minute? Yeah, well, for me, the Pritchard's the the, the strangest one out of the three because Pritchard's been sharp all preseason. I think if you're if you're Alex Pritchard now and you've been really sharp all preseason, you've looked good. You've probably you know you he looks as sharp as I've ever seen him since he's come to the club. Actually, he looks you know mm-hmm. every time he's on the ball, he looks dangerous and he's got a you know he looks like he's looking up. He looks like he's got a bit of energy about him, and you know he's going into the season thinking this could be a cracking season, and then he's. You know he's he's kind of on the bench and he's kind of getting splinters in his backside and he's probably thinking well why and and especially the fact he's watch he's he's watched the Ipswich game where we had so much possession and didn't create anything and you know a player like Alex Pritchard he's been around the block you know he's been at a lot of clubs he's he's probably watching the game thinking well hang on hello he's probably like he he's probably wanting to tap Tony Mowbray on the on the shoulder and say give us a chance you know let us try and create something because. You know, he must be devastated with seeing what's getting in ahead of him um, and, and not being given a chance. But look, we've got a big squad and all that sort of stuff. But with, with the fact we've gone through these games where we've struggled to create, he's one of our creative players. He should be mm. given more a bit more of a chance. The the, the, the Gooch one, uh, look, I think Lyndon Gooch would be, you know, he's not, he's not dafty. I think he'd be the first to admit that he was going to be on the fringes of this team. And he was going to maybe start ten to fifteen games this season if if he was lucky, to be honest. And he was, well, he was going to be in around the match day squads more than anything else. Um, but if it looks like he might not be, you know, even on the bench at times, nobody would blame him for looking at for a move before the window shut. And and the Danny Bart one, and I, and I think this one is just football. A player of his age coming to the time of his career, he was brilliant last season. Didn't go wrong, but at some point you've got to. You've got to kind of think about what direction you're going in and how much game time do you give him. Danny Bart's not daft. He knows that, you know, at this stage of his career, he, he finds clubs who are in a position where they need a Danny Bart and they need him in there all season for 30 games. And that's what he wants because, you know, he's, he doesn't want to sit on the bench or anything at this stage in, in his career, which is absolutely, you know, it's fine. It's fair enough. And there's going to be, if he stays, there's going to be times this season where we're going to need him, whether it's injuries, suspensions or just simply we're shipping in goals and we need we need someone like Danny Bart at the back for a bit, whether we play a three at the back and protect him a bit more and stuff like that. But at the same time, he's at that stage of his career where he's like, I need games. And the 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 direction that I think Tony Mowbray is going in, and to be fair, Luke O'Nine's done this job in the two games. Dan Bollard's been the bruiser at the back. He's been the proper centre-half who's got the big lad and shook him up a bit. You know, he did that against Ipswich and he did that against... Uh, Preston, but but Luke O'Nine's the one who gets the ball at the back and he zips the ball into midfield. He whips it in there to kind of kick off the tempo from the back. Um, so they've got that partnership going. And to be fair, in the two games, we've looked fairly solid at the back. Mm. And it's the, the goals have come from you know it was two errors. You know, Luke giving the ball away in daft positions against Ipswich, and you know the first goal against Preston was that horrible deflection. But the second goal was giving the ball away in stupid positions again in the middle of their half and they broke up and went and scored. So we've been caught on the break through our own possession and trying to break the, the opposition down because we're struggling. And, you know, and then we've got deflections on top of that. So the defence have looked all right. 
So yeah. if you're Tony Mowbray, you're not that concerned. You're more concerned about the front players giving the ball away so we get caught on the break and the midfield yeah. being caught out of position when they shouldn't be. I think it was Equa and Bellingham who gave the ball away in their half and then Equa was out of position and it was, you know, the ball played in behind mm-hmm. and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. So with the three of them, I think that they're, they're in very different positions, but I think the most who, who should be aggrieved is Alex Pritchard out of the three. Yeah. I think that leads us into the Rotherham game quite nicely because obviously what we haven't talked about is what we would do to try and fix whatever problems we've had, right? You know, we've kind of mentioned it there, Craig, um, not playing with a striker probably harmed us. Uh, Preston, I, I didn't agree with, with Mowbray's reasoning, if I'm honest. You know, he said he didn't want to play Hemi up against three centre-halves, but I'd, I still maintain, I think you said it before, I still maintain that if we have a centre-forward in the box, we score a couple of them chances that, that we didn't score. You know, and that that's something we've got to look at. I think we've got to try and be more physical because we know we've played Rotherham so much in recent years. And when they when we don't get good results against them, and, and to be honest, they, they seem to get the upper hand on us more often than not Rotherham. And when, when, when we don't get good results against Rotherham, to me, the, the thing that's always been the case in that fixture is losing the midfield battle. They put three in midfield and they're just they're just more physical than us, they're more athletic, they're more up for it, they win the majority of the second balls. I think some eagle-eyed viewers had noticed that in the training footage the club released during the week that uh, Luke 9 was doing lots of midfield bits and pieces, which is interesting in the training videos. I don't know whether that's a, a, a nod towards what might happen against Rotherham, but I think given, and, and Chris just sort of mentioned it there, given sort of how Neil and Ekwa were at Preston, they were so pedestrian, they just weren't involved physically or even on the ball, just weren't great really and I, I kind of worry about them in this particular game as much as I think those long term this season are the midfield two that we need to persist with because long term they're, they're going to both be quality footballers needs must and I look at this Rotherham game and I'm thinking people are calling for Bart to come back into the defence in place of 0-9 maybe move 0-9 into midfield to give us a little bit more physicality put Pritchard in there because we need somebody who who's going to give us a bit more potency from the 10 position, play with a striker, and we might be all right. But it's a case of, you know, we can see that these things would improve our fortunes slightly, but is Mowbray going to do what he's done so often? And is he going to is he going to just go with what he feels we're best at, which is playing teams off the park on the floor, try and pass it round Rotherham, try and play with a false nine, and, and basically do more of what we've already done from the start of this season and that's just bringing in you know bringing in the more technical players and 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 kind of try and play it around them what would you do do you, do you think we should maybe try and match them up in terms of physicality or do you reckon we'll just stick them stick with what we're good at and 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 try and try and say what we're good at but we haven't been great at it so far this season but stick with what Mowbray feels we're best at probably a hybrid of both really um I mean, I'll be honest, I thought when we were bringing all of these players in, it was to perhaps give us like a, a variation of what system and mm-hmm. style we can mm-hmm. play. And it's probably worth seeing already that Rotherham will come up here and they will know that if they strike early, that, you know, they, they will be there to frustrate the crowd. They'll be there to slow everything down. It's probably going to be a bit of an ugly game. Um, as for where we are at the moment, you know, it's worth noting the patterns of play things like that are a little bit off so you can still experiment in your early days so for me yeah Hamia has to start we're at home if you're not starting a striker at home then you know it's suicide really isn't it 
I think Alex Pritchard definitely should come in. Interesting about O9 moving into midfield. I would have absolutely no problem if he sat in front of the back line just to offer a little bit more protection because when we have been caught out, um, the naivety of our midfield has been exposed quite a lot, really, and ultimately it's cost us two goals um, over the, the past two games. So, look, I, I would bring Danny Bart in. I know that you know he hasn't had a lot of game time, but at the, at the end of the day, we can be as flashy as we want, but let's be fair... We look at, say, the Luton playoff game last season and you think, when we went down there, we'd done everything right in terms of we tried to play good football, we had all of the ball, but what cost us, basically, was the fact that we couldn't compete with them because we didn't have the height, we didn't have the physicality, and we're going to come up against teams who play pretty ugly football in comparison to us. And when it comes off with us, you know, it's beautiful. We could have had our own montage of goal of the season and I don't think any other team would have had a contender because when we're at it, we're outstanding. But like I say, there's going to be a lot of teams coming up to park the bus. Rotherham will probably be one of them. Massive game. And I really don't think that we can we can take as many risks in this one. So I'm looking to bring in as much experience as I can. And, you know, perhaps this is last chance saloon for Danny Bass. Maybe Alex Pritchard as well. If he's halfway out the doors, it seems. Bring them in. Let's see what they can offer. And yeah, I'm I'm fairly confident if we if we bring them in that we'll be looking to win the game. Yeah, I'm just looking over the Rotherham team, Chris, and the they seem to have actually changed up their their style a little bit. They've brought in some some decent players over the summer, you know. That but I still think that if they're going to get anything from the game, it's going to be doing what they've done pretty well against us over the years. That's just piling the box, making the most of set pieces, slowing the game down, um, putting bodies in the middle of the park out and compete. And and I just feel like, you know, if we're going to get something from the game, like I said before, we've got uh, we've got maybe match them up in certain areas. That's maybe you know, when you heard Mowbray talk about Danny Bart, for instance, when he was he was asked pretty bluntly about why he's not starting games and he said, Look, we think that Luke technically is better. He can he's more suited to the way we like to play. Danny Bart is very much a sort of kicking and headed type defender. Well, this might be the game where you look at him and think this is where we actually need him because when they get set pieces, we need to be able to deal with that threat. So I would be looking to bring him in. Yeah, I think I just think that we've got to be wary of Rotherham. They haven't had a terrible start. You know, they won their League Cup game. They got a point against Blackburn. So they're, they're going to be up for it. And, and I guess we've obviously got to look at our own strengths and we've done quite a lot of good. Like we've sat here and sort of criticised quite a bit while we've recorded this, but... There was a lot of positive stuff to take from the Preston game as well, and we can't just abandon that. We're not we haven't became a bad team overnight. So is it a case of more like what Craig said there, just a bit more of a, a hybrid of the of the sort of being more physical, but also trying to keep it technical and, and make sure we do what we're good at? Yeah. I I think I think we should well, <laughs> it's easy to say it. But I think we should be beating Rotherham. Um, you know, uh, yeah, you might say they, they might have tried to change. How many times have we the, said that over the last few uh, years, though? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. But you know, they've, they've slightly tried to change it under under Matt Taylor. But uh, you know, first game Stoke, and and they've had two games. They've had two players sent off. They've had players sent off in both games. Mind, did you see that red card yeah, that the lad pushed into the crowd? Didn't he? <laughs> On your dinner, he, he scored, and then and then he he done some sort of like. And I made some sort of hand gesture, and the ref I, sort of misread it, didn't no, he? No, I think well, from what I saw, I might I might have had it wrong, but like his teammates kind of pushed him further into the crowd, and the ref thought he went right into the crowd, and he booked. Yeah, him yeah, for... but it was for it was for two yellows, wasn't it? I think the first one he got for um, gesturing towards the ref ah, about right, a booking right. or something. 
So they they were absolutely gutted about that. So I think he's yeah. been a bit unlucky there. And th- and the yeah. other red card, the Cafu one, I don't think was a red card either. I don't know if you saw that one, but the lad the same from Forest got sent off in the first game. I don't think that was right. a red either. But I suppose it showed. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> I haven't actually watched them play, but even there, you know, the lad who got sent off in the first game, he got a yellow card on on Saturday as well. So it yeah. shows he Look. he likes a card like. Well, let, let's just hope they go down to 10 men really early, first minute or something. It'd be know? nice for once, wouldn't it, if somebody just gifted us a game. <laughs> but, but, I mean, it might be influenced It might be influenced by the, the 10 men, but you look at the, the two games, the Stoke game, they had 29% possession. And then at home against Blackburn, I think, what, was they sending off something, like just after half-time, something like that? Just, yeah, 40, 50 minutes, I think. I'm just looking yeah, at it now. So yeah. they, they played most of the second half, with 10 men, but against Blackburn, they got a draw, but they only had 23% possession. So going off that, yes, they were down to 10 men. But even so, you would probably predict that Sunderland are going to come out of this game with, at the very least, 65% possession, 70% possession. We're going to have all of the ball. And it's going to be one of those games where it's it's all about us getting the first goal. If if we don't, if we, if we take an hour to get, if it's still goalless going into the last half an hour, it's likely going to be ending up, you know, goalless. Then <laughs> we'll draw, we'll draw the game. If we get a first in the first half, we'll go on to win the game two or three nil. It's it's kind of the nature of this side that we've got at the minute. But you you're absolutely right, and I, and I wanted to emphasize that myself. What you've just said there, Gav, like in the two games. I actually, I mean, if you just take, if you just forget about the results, if you didn't know what the results were and you just watched the performances in the two games, I think we've played well. I think in both games yeah. we've played well, and I'd, like I, I don't think there's two. Like I said at the very beginning, there's there's areas of course we can look at and say, well, these things need to improve. Of course, we we you know we we played two games and we've got no points, but at the same time, we're playing well. And I think what you don't want to do when you're playing well is try and rebuild the whole thing. It's about finding finding something that works and finding something that works a little bit better and tweaking things. Hmm. And like I said. I, I I was I was actually staggered that he didn't go into the Preston game because of the there were so many good things that came out of the Ipswich game. I was staggered that he didn't just speak to the players and say, "Look, if you know if we go in with a performance like we did against Ipswich against Preston, but be more clinical and Jack Clark and Patrick Roberts look up because they've got a striker in the middle and look, Hamid is there, use him." That yeah. like, I, I couldn't understand, and I would love us actually, I would love us to go into this Rotherham game with the same setup as we went in against Ipswich, because I think Ipswich were dogged and they're a very good team. But if we'd scored in that first half, if Bellingham had stuck that six yard, you know, where the ball rebounded from the keeper, we go on to beat Ipswich two or three nil. Yeah. And it's that difference. It's that fine margins between, you know, going down on the first day of the season or romping home and beating a newly promoted side at home and, or, and you're away after that. So I'd, I'd quite like us to go in the same as we did with Ipswich but except with a slightly different outlook out wide where Clark uses Sirkin on the overlap a bit more or Sirkin takes one touch and crosses the ball in, looks for Bellingham, looks for Hamia's head or, or Bellingham on the edge of the box. I, I'd like us to to go in with the same system, dominate the game just as we did against Ipswich at home, but just have that clinical final third play about us and just tweak it up. As soon as we get the ball in the final third, as Craig, Craig mentioned, the patterns of play, Practice them. You know, you've got new players, new players who make different runs. They make runs beyond the back four, which we didn't have for half of last season. So learn how to play with them. 
you know, j- mm-hmm. just tweak things on the training ground and say and implement them on the day. But you still got to keep that kind of method of play that you've got where you do dominate sides because if we keep doing that we're going to get more we are going to collect a lot of points this season purely because we dominate sides and all we need to do is find that cutting edge in the final third and that'll be the difference between at this season mid-table because this season I just this season is a tougher championship and I think we've got to we've got to grasp that last season you know, points tally last season wouldn't have made the playoffs in what the last previous ten years. So it's a, it's going to be a tougher championship this season. So we've got a we're going to collect more points and put that that clinical final third play. And I'm talking about patterns of play is is going to be the difference between mid table and and a playoff position like last season. Yeah, and I suppose you you learn more from your defeats, don't you, Craig? And obviously, we've lost the last two games. I definitely think that we played better at Preston. But then part of us thinks, well, we always, even last season, played better away from home. And it, it's a, it's going to hang over us until we sort this out properly. But we've got to have better home form. When you've got 40-odd thousand people in the stadium, you should be harnessing that. And you should be using it to your advantage. And it almost feels like we don't. And and, and to a degree, we, we shy away from it a little bit. And I just think that all we've got to do... Is harness it like and, I, and no player like and I, I don't I don't like talking about him because he's not here anymore. But no player got that more than Ahmad last season. He absolutely loved playing at the Stadium of Light. He loved being able to celebrate in front of fans. He took risks. He did things to excite players, uh, to excite fans even, and possibly the players as well. And you know you look at you look at the the team now when we don't have him. Fair enough. You, you, you've got to sort of ask those players who we do have to go out there and, and do just that. You know, give people something to cheer about. Patrick Roberts, for me, when he was at down at Preston, he, some of the runs he had with the ball, dancing pl- past three and four people, and you're looking at him and you're thinking, if you just had some end product, what a player you'd be. You know, and, and, and that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for them to maybe take the aspects of the performance that were, were poor, obviously, and improve upon them, but also take the stuff that we did pretty well and, and amplify that and destroy Rotherham, really. You know, look back to that game when... But that game went Mowbray's first game. If I remember back to that, he came out after the match and just said, like, I haven't changed anything. I've just basically walked in there, told them, you know, I want you to, to, to do this, do that, but I've not changed anything. They've went out and they've done the business. You know, and that that's all you've got to do sometimes is just tell the lads, go out there, enjoy it, perform. Take take risks. There's nothing wrong with taking risks, and you'll beat them because you've got the quality to do it. And it feels like at times we we maybe don't tell ourselves that maybe this season anyways. It feels like a couple of those players who had real quality last season they're maybe not not believing in themselves quite enough at the minute. And that that's what I would be doing. I'd be trying to put aside the the last two league games and be saying, let's start again. Let's start from scratch. This is like you know we're only two games in. Let's let's forget about what's happened before today. If we win today, our season's off and running. And after this, we're looking at Coventry away, Southampton, QPR, Blackburn. Tough games, but there's no reason why we can't get points off those teams. But we've got to start somewhere. And there's no reason why we can't do that against Rotherham. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I mean, look, we know we've been unfortunate in the past two games. Um, our home form admittedly hasn't been great over the course of the past year, but... Um, it's a great time to to obviously start proving proving people wrong because there has become a vocal minority. I would say, you know, kind of writing the season off. Maybe 
embellishing obviously the problems making them a little bit bigger than they are and look like i say there is a bit of nuance to it we know that we'll play short um so it's nowhere near as bad as people are making out it's nowhere near as good as people are making out i think we're somewhere in the middle so basically we've got to crack on from here and like you say forget about the last two games because ultimately they're not going to define our season how we react to it is going to define our season and based off you know the past two games we've conceded like i say some unfortunate goals but if one goes our way i think people will be fired up again there is undoubtedly i would say a bit of a playoff hangover there um no doubt about it but once we've shook that off Hopefully we can get our business right in the next couple of weeks. I, th I think the mood will change very, very quickly. Yeah, like you said, yeah, look, we know two we know games. that, don't we? We know we know that we with one yeah. or two good results, everything flip. Well, look, let let's look at it like this, right? And I, I loathe to basically mention this, but when David Moyes wrote our season off, basically after those those two games, <laughs> so, look, it's over. Don't know what fans sort of expected. We're going to be in a relegation battle. It just sort of killed everything. The mood, the vibe, the buzz, everything, it just sort of just fell by the wayside. And you're like, oh, right, this is going to be a shit season. But I think as fans, you know, we've 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 learned to basically sort of just, just kind of forget about that. And, we, you know, we've, we've been in a habit of, of winning games last season. You know, we've been in a habit of, of coming from behind. And, look, you know, we could do this to death. The players have not become bad players overnight. You know, ultimately in the championship, teams are going to be beat everybody it's the nature of this league like i say i think we lost what maybe 14 or 15 games last season it's probably reasonable to suggest that we're going to do the same this season and it's it's just how we react to it so let's just try and like i say forget about the bad things i'm certain that the crowd will be bang up for it come saturday um and yeah here, here's hoping to, to obviously get a good result because by god as soon as it does happen the momentum will will suddenly swing our way again but i feel if we start taking our chances we're going to end up hammering somebody and, and let's hope it's Rotherham. Yeah, well, that, that's been kind of mooted over the last few days. Um, Dan Ballard talked about it after the game. Mowbray talked about it after the game. There's definitely a, a feeling amongst the players, Chris, that, you know, we're actually playing quite well and, and you know, it's it's not going to take much for it to click. And maybe ignoring the, the what, you know, and, and I, know, I know you're not on so, social media, so I'm probably putting this to the wrong person, but you kind of, you see some of the reaction online and you think it's not fully representative of actually how, how things are and in, in, in the feeling around the place. And like you've got players coming out saying, look, we, we feel like we're playing well. I heard Equa say it as well. Equa said it in that interview with the club, talking about how they, they feel like, you know, we're actually, we've played all right and it isn't going to take much for us just to tweak this and, and, and get up and running. You've kind of just put a, got to put that noise aside, haven't you? That comes from outside of the actual football club and what goes on on the pitch and just try and, zoning on it's a game of football and if we win against Rotherham the mood will change I'm confused Gav what, what, are, you, what are you trying to tell me that uh, social media isn't a representative cross-section of <laughs> uh, of the the public opinion is that what you're trying to tell us you're just trying to tell us that... um, that's what yes. they want you to believe because yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean look if you're into your if you're into your conspiracies Chris you know it, it, <laughs> you, you can find anything on there you can, you can go on to Twitter look, and I've seen all sorts the last couple of days. Killed his skin, apparently. Look, you know, trying look, to trying to kill us from within. Well, look, that that that's <laughs> that that's pretty much why I'm not on there because uh, you know most people most people who do, do want to post post because they've got some sort of radical view and they want everyone to hear it. But look, the the biggest the biggest uh, Craig hit the nail on the head with this earlier on. 
for the players, the players will not not even know what's going on on social media. They just for things they post, they just post stuff and probably don't look at the reactions. They just want to look at how many people have liked it and all that sort of stuff. But Craig touched on earlier on the the thing that they'll be taking the the reaction from is how the fans are reacting after the game, and the fans are showing them that they know that they're not far off. The efforts there. You know that we've seen uh, we've seen plenty of Sunderland sides who we see strolling around the pitch, not giving a crap, and we we tell them as much that we think they're not giving a crap, and yeah. we know the difference between we know the difference between thousands of fans in an away end or thousands of fans in the stadium alight after the final whistle goes. We've all heard it when the general consensus is it's not good enough, and we. The, the reaction is now that, you know, we're saying they've got enough in the bank, credit in the bank, that we think they're going to get it right. It's just, you know, there was a couple of murmurings in in the crowd. Yeah, result isn't great. But on general, the fans are showing them en masse that, you know, that, that the performance is okay and keep plugging away. So, look, let's not, I don't want to get bogged down in, let, let, you know, so that social media reactions actually count for anything because i'd like to think and i think the club are well well run in this aspect because we've got we've got a lot of young players to protect there don't forget that they're going to be taught as well because i think we're we're now a well-run club in this in this area that the club are telling them enough times that none of that matters and it's all fluff and noise and it makes no difference to what goes on in the training ground and no no difference to what goes on on the pitch so look I don't think that makes a difference. I don't think, look, I mean, any everybody who I've talked to on an individual conversation, everyone who I've spoke to is having a, a very, very reasonable reaction to losing the first two games. It's not ideal. I mean, like Craig said, I think we lost 13 last season. We've already lost two. That's not a great start. But look, and I wrote something in the, in the lead up to the Ipswich game about expectation this season. This season, the expectation's been inflated so much by us, you know, exceeding expectations last season. Now, you know, if we'd finished mid-table last season, if we'd finished 15th, 16th, everyone would have went, oh, fantastic season, and we're hoping for top 10. <laughs> you know, they, but now we're finishing the playoffs, people are thinking, well, we finished 6th, so we should be aiming to finish higher. Well, it, it's not. it doesn't quite work like that, and especially because we're trying to develop these players at the same time. It's not an exact science, but like I said, the performances are there. Um, and I think uh, we talked about this time last season. I was going to mention that it was the 31st of August. So we're not far off exactly a year later that we've got Rotherham at home and we needed Rotherham at home then because uh, it was a good time. And I think we're playing them at a good time this season. And I'm thinking it's going to be a similar score. I'm going to go three nil. Well, I hope you're right. I'm, I'll, I'm normally like the one sat here making the positive predictions I'm never optimistic you're not so, I think I, I need to stop being optimistic we might, we might win a game <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to refuse to give a prediction this week but uh, Craig go on we'll have one a few oh well Chris has got a bit worried now uh, <laughs> <laughs> right well I don't want to be negative but we're not really in the business of keeping clean sheets um, and we haven't been for, for some time, pretty much all the way throughout 2023. So I think we'll win the game. I'm going to see it 2-1. Oh, go on, then I'll see a 1-0. I think we're going to keep a clean sheet. There we go. <laughs> That's, you know, you, you saying we'll win 1-0 is you being negative. It actually is, yeah. I don't think I've ever said that. Um, but yeah, no, let, let's just hope that we uh, we turn a corner. 
because I really enjoyed doing these pods last season, and I think I said it at the time. I enjoyed being able because we've been doing this since 2016 now, and it was the first time where I've sat there and I thought I've just thoroughly enjoyed this start to finish. It's been a, just a an unbelievable season, and it made doing this enjoyable. And like we sat here after two league defeats, uh, get knocked out of the cup as well, and we're maybe a little bit downhearted and all the rest of it. But we all know that all it takes is one win, and we'll all be thinking about promotion again and thinking, oh well, we're back in the mix. You know, we're getting, we'll, we'll win a few more, and we'll, you know, it's it's just the way of being a football fan. All I want to do on Saturday is come away and just feel satisfied. That's all I want. You know. Don't want to. I don't want to be getting beat again. Um, if it's a well earned point in a good game of football, then we might sit here and go, "Well, you know what it is. That wasn't a bad point. We played well. Blah blah blah." But I think deep down we all just really want that first win, get the monkey off our backs, and kickstart the season. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a when you look at what we've got coming up after this game, you've you and it's a home game, and I know our home form isn't great, but you've got to look at this and think, right, we've got to win this one, and. I think the players might have been thinking of it that way, you know. They've had a week to think about this game, to think about the the way we've started the season. And it's up to them to put it right, ultimately. You know, it's nothing to do with Mowbray, it's nothing to do with um, with with the owner or the sporting director or all the rest of it. We've got a squad, we've got a centre-forward if we want to play with them, and it's up to them to work it out on the day. Let's make sure we just we, we leave everything on the pitch and and, and win that game. That, that That's all we've got to do, in my opinion, is just, keep doing um, the good stuff that we've done in the last few weeks, but also recognise some of the, 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 the not-so-good stuff and address it, but take collective responsibility because that's, that's the only way you improve anything, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I feel like we've ended this one positively yet again. We never seem to end them negatively. That's that's just not our uh, style at all, is it? So, uh, cheers, lads. Thanks for joining us. Cheers, Chris. No worries. Cheers, Craig. Thanks to the listeners, as always, for jumping in and joining us and lasting this long. We will be back after that game at the weekend with another podcast. And I'm praying it's a positive one. I'm praying it's going to be a, a nice, happy occasion. Three we're all sat Three merry. And, well, you've said it now, so <laughs> I, I just hope you're right, mate. Yeah. Uh, cheers, everyone. We'll catch you after the Rotherham game. And, uh, yeah, see you down the road. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.